Okay, hello, welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the Hockey History Podcast. I'm Riley, and I'm here with Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And uh, today we are talking about the, two Thor- the 2004, uh, said 2-4, uh, uh, <laughs> Hall of Fame class, um, Ray Bork, Paul Coffey, and Larry Murphy. And um, actually, before we started, we didn't talk about what order we were going to do them in, but I was thinking, um, Murphy, Coffee, Bork, how do you feel about that? I, I think that's fine. All right. Well, they did. Them. In fact, they started within a year of each other, all of them. Um, now they finished at different times. Well, actually, Larry Murphy. No, they finished all in the same season. Never mind. So they, they had a, all had a lot of overlap in their careers. Um, and I look forward to this one because it's like a really good comparison. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's about as good a comparison as we've ever had in terms of how similar. Um, like two of them were in the same draft. Murphy and Coffee were in the same draft, and Bork was in the draft before. And then they they played, you know, similar lengths of time. Um, and the 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 difference will become very apparent in terms of accolades. But otherwise, um, yeah, so we're gonna start. They all played for really good teams throughout their career as well. I mean, like Bork never. Yeah. Bork had to move away to win his cup, but like they all they were all cup winners. Mm hmm. Coffee was on those Oilers, so his stats might be a little more bonkers in terms of offense, but it's going to be an interesting comparison. Yeah. So um, we're going to start with Larry Murphy, uh, who um, is the, let's say, least acclaimed of the three of them. Um, and he played from 80 to 2001, 21 seasons. Uh, he is the sixth defenseman all time in terms of goals. He is 17th all-time among all skaters in points, and he's the fourth defenseman all-time in terms of assists. Sorry, I said points, I meant assists. And he's sixth defenseman all-time in terms of points. He's also 11th all-time in terms of games played and third defenseman, and he's 14th all-time in total point shares and fifth defenseman. And among defensemen, uh, sorry, he's eighth all-time in defensive point shares, so, uh, you know, cumulatively best, eighth best defenseman all-time, obviously that's because he played forever. Um, and he's eighth all-time in defenseman with uh, in terms of offensive point shares so you know he is at least because of his ridiculous longevity of 600 1600 games he is one of the best defensemen of all time at least in terms of cumulative stats um he was drafted in 1980 just like paul coffee and uh you might be surprised to learn that he is behind paul coffee in all those offensive categories shocking everybody um but in his draft he has eighth in goals second assists fourth in points fourth and plus minus second point shares and first in games played so he played longer than coffee did um or more games rather i guess he was healthier at the end there but otherwise he still like that that was a uh a draft that produced you know um if we go by point shares it produced uh coffee why is it not yeah. coffee murphy uh Kyrie, uh Curry, Andy Moog, uh, Denny Svard, Bernie Nichols, Steve Larmer, um, Dave Babich, uh, one of the Sutters, um, and then a, and <laughs> somebody we talked about last week, Barry Peterson. Um, oh, yeah. um, a whole bunch of known name players, some Hall of Famers, and uh, Murphy comes out as the second best player by point shares. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he is first in games by 
almost 200. But um, it also just, you know, he was one of the best players in his draft, uh, in a draft that had some pretty good players. So it's, it's uh, you know, it, he looks pretty good when you look at his draft. Arrow-wise, go ahead. When you, when you play that many games, uh, you know, you should be pretty high up in the categories, and he is, so. Yeah. Um, Arrow-wise, we looked at seven defensemen to play in at least 15 seasons. Uh, full seasons in our terms um, between 80 and 2001 and funnily of those seven players only one of them is not in the Hall of Fame so basically if you debuted in 1980 as a defenseman or 1979 um, and played for forever you're in the Hall of Fame except for I think with Craig Ludwig was the only one um, anyway uh, of, of those players he is fifth in goals and goals per game which almost like he's third last um, he's third in assists fifth in assists per game, third in points, fifth in points per game. He's fifth in plus minus, which sounds really bad, fifth out of seven, but get this, Bill. He is 113 above six foots. Like, the two the two people in last are so far behind the other five. Like, it's it's Ludwig and uh, Phil Housley, and, like, they're so far behind the, first, the top five guys. It's, like, uh, the difference between Murphy in fifth and the guy in seventh, who I... I can't remember his house later last week, is 253. Wow. Which is a which is a Hall of Fame career in terms of plus minus. Uh, it's quite funny. So anyway, so so no one should be upset that he's fifth in plus minus out of those seven players. Um, his his plus is fine. <laughs> he's, a, he's almost plus 200, so he's fine. Anyway, um, so he grades out in the middle of the pack of that group, but they're like I said, they're almost all Hall of Famers. Uh, his 82-game average is a very respectable 62 points. Um, for a defenseman, that is fantastic. Um, yes, obviously, yes. that's skewed a little bit by the fact that he played a chunk of his career, like two-thirds-ish in the highest-scoring era. Yeah. Um, we calculated his three-year peak between 91 and 94, and it's an 84-game average because they played 84 games back then of 81 points and plus 30. But it's worth noting that it was really hard to do a three-year peak because Murphy's three best seasons were 11 years apart. So I had to pick one of the three best seasons and two of them next to each other. But like he, he had a great season in the 80s, and then he had a couple good ones in the 90s that were split apart. So um, it's not really fair to him. If we did his three best seasons, if they were all next to each other, the, the those numbers would be better. Playoff-wise, uh, he's... 6D all-time in terms of goals. He's the 6th in terms of assists and 14th all-time among all skaters. And points, he's also 6th. So he's the 6th highest scoring defenseman in the playoffs. Uh, whatever way you slice it. Um, he, he's only 24th in plus-minus, though, which is uh, probably because of uh, his years on the Kings and Capitals, is my guess off the top of my head. Uh, actually, Toronto too he has a oh yeah he had a really bad minus oh yeah the reason he got traded in toronto was because of that playoff series anyway um and then well, I he's just, uh, I, I just remember that about his career um you know, i don't remember it super well but uh somebody was talking about um i remember if it was uh, like an article about jeff finger and like how excited he was to play for the leafs and just everybody ended up just ripping on him uh or if it was about you know uh it started as an article about Jake Gardner and how hard they were on him, and it's like he's not actually that bad. He's one of your more useful defensemen, but everybody just piles on him 
because he had a couple of bad games in big moments, and then they talked about Larry Murphy basically getting run out of town because he had one bad series. Yeah, we're going to talk about that trade, um, but about Gardner, like, as a more casual Leafs fan now was earlier, but when Jake Gardner was first on the team, I was watching religiously. Um, he He's really good, but he when he makes mistakes, they are high-profile, to put it mildly. Um, oh, yeah, well, it's, it, it's, it's sort of the... Every once in a while, you're going to see, you know, a defenseman who's a puck mover and uh, sort of, like, moves the puck up the up the ice a lot make a pretty boneheaded mistake because they're trying for they're trying for like a you know a, a more difficult pass than yeah. the guy who chips it off the glass and just makes the same play every time and when they get burnt oh they look like idiots <laughs> it's funny. well i can't remember the name of the bias right now um off the top of my head because i haven't read the the name but like there's a a, a cognitive bias which is basically we notice things that are are more unique than things that are not so we don't notice the successes which because like when you when you move a puck out of the zone successfully which happens a million times a game you don't notice it you notice when it screws up and there's a there's a name for it it's an obvious name i just can't remember the name of the bias right now but like it's very true of all these types of players but like yeah i i mean i know like the people who hate gardner they hate him because he made some really big gaffes in some playoff series but before Riley was Riley, he yeah. Gardner was the best. Now the Leafs have not had a good defense in a long time, but like he was the best defenseman on the Leafs for a number of years, and like it was so annoying to listen to fans freak out about him because like they, it felt like they were only watching the mistakes. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, well, but wait a minute. Anyway, that's another story. Well, uh, let's go. I live in Montreal, or close enough to Montreal, um, and lived a good, good chunk of my life uh, actually in the city. Um, the, the media is nuts. Like even when PK Subban was doing PK Subban things and was, you know, one of the best defensemen in the NHL and was just ripping it up for the Habs and would always score these huge goals in the playoffs, and he would get benched, and the media would be all over him because he made like a mistake and turned the puck over, and it's like. You guys don't realize that nine out of ten times he makes an amazing play, and that one yeah. time he gets burned, that's all you want to talk about, that he's not defensively responsible. And I'm like, if they had looked statistically the season before that, before he sort of, they, you know, he became the star defenseman and getting all the points, they had him playing on the PK with uh, Hal Gill, and he was like, I think, I think he was like one minute away from qualifying uh, for the stat, but if he had qualified, he would have been like the number one penalty killer in the league in terms of like not allowing like shot suppression and like he was fantastic and I'm like yeah. how, how are you guys not seeing this and obviously he's had some injuries and he's not quite the player that he used to be um, so then some people will be like see he always was crap but like no when he was playing like that he was amazing and you guys just wanted to pile on him like yeah. I, I saw you know this the playoffs this year Quinn Hughes went down one time um, you know went to make a play at the end of a shift went like behind the other team's net ended up turning it over and he was just gassed and then whoever we were playing, I can't remember if it was Vegas or St. Louis or maybe even Minnesota went down and scored and I'm like, that's the kind of thing that like a lot of people would point to, but I'm like he does so many other amazing things I'm not even mad he tried it like, just, yeah. like I wouldn't have done it but then again, I, you know, like as a defenseman, but I was never a good skater, so I, w- I wouldn't have had the balls to try because I knew I couldn't get back 
if he wasn't yeah. so tired, he totally could have got back. I have no problem with him trying that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like, you, you, you've got to weigh how much good the guy gives you before you totally rip. I mean, they chased Larry Murphy out of town, and, like, you're, you want to chase a Hall of Famer out of town by all means, but, like, and it's not just the fans, too. It's some rabid fans, but then the media sort of does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And then they convince the more normal fans that this guy's terrible, and then he gets run out of town on a rail and be like, kind well, of scapegoat everybody. A lot of franchises that haven't won for a long time are pretty famous for doing that. The Red we, Sox did it we, for a very long time. <laughs> we might as well talk about it then, since we're talking about it. Um, we we have a, a blog post on our website uh, of the top... 25 worst and best Maple Leaf trades. We have one about the Canucks good trades. We're working on one about the Canucks bad trades. This this uh, Larry Murphy trade um, is the 16th worst on our list, and it's only the 16th worst because it's it's using uh, point shares to compare. If it was using cup wins, it would be among the worst ever um, yeah. because uh, they got nothing. They got future considerations that turned into nothing. And yes, he had a bad playoff. He had a bad playoff. He was uh, he had two points and he was minus eight in six games. That is awful. But his regular season uh, before that was fine. Um, one year, 61 points minus two, and the next year, uh, right before he got traded, uh, 39 points plus one. Um, keep in mind, he was 35. Um, and it was the team, you know, like the idea that Larry Murphy is responsible for the Leafs being not great, um, in, in 1996 is like, I don't know how many minutes he was playing, but, um, like the problem, I mean, Gilmore scored eight points in six games and was minus four. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they just weren't good anymore. Like they, yeah. Pot fan, they pot probably fan had should have won a cup in 93 or 94 when they were actually, you know, probably like a Larry Murphy-type guy away from winning, um, especially in 93 when I, you know, I argue about this with my Habs fans, friends all the time. Um, but, you know, I, I always tell them, you know, you guys are really lucky that, you know, Gretzky's high stick didn't get called and, like, the Leafs didn't end up coming through because I'm pretty sure they would have beat you guys for that cup. And they're all like, no, we had Patrick Lord. I'm like, they had Pot Van. They were really good. Well, speaking of Pot Van, in 96, Pot Van had, had a not great series. Um, you know, he he uh, he gave up 19 goals in six games. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Who did they play against that year? Um, I don't know that I watched it. Oh, it was the Blues. Um, and it was the Brett Hall Blues. Um Anyway, uh, like they they didn't have a good series, and it was it was it's on the goalie, it's on the whole team. But like, I don't know the idea that it's it's all Larry Murphy's fault. It was probably he was probably playing the most minutes of anybody, and he was getting thrown out there against Brett Hall. And Shan- was Shanahan still on the team? I think so. And um, anyway, like it was it's a ridiculous trade because of course he then went on to win two cups with the. Uh, Red Wings immediately um, yep. and was very important for them and and like if you look at all the other trades in his career because he got traded a bunch of times he got traded five times like the rest of them um, make some sense 
but like this whole like let's just get Larry Murphy out of Toronto as fast as we possibly can thing makes no sense. Like the other trades are like so um, when he was young, he was 22. He was traded um, to uh, the Capitals for Ken Houston, who I don't remember, and Brian Engblom, who was like that sucked. That's a bad trade for uh, the Kings, but like Engblom, when he was on the Habs, was like you know you could he was he's one of those like defensive defensemen that like because he was on the Habs you can talk yourself into thinking he was like really really amazing because he was behind you know he was behind Langway and Robinson yeah. and uh I don't I don't think he was I think LaPointe was gone by the time he was there but I don't remember but like you know it, it, it's one of those it's like Beauchemin on the Ducks right like it's like yep he's amazing in a third defenseman role or fourth defenseman role and then he becomes like a number one guy and he's like whoops maybe not oh, yeah, suited to that he's playing above where he should be playing in the lineup, yeah. right and it's like a, a guy who's a number three defenseman in the nhl is a fantastic player yeah it's just that like if you force him to play an extra five minutes a night or instead of facing the other team's second line all the time he's always facing a superstar like yeah he's not going to look as good it's a yeah. little bit beyond what he's capable of in, in a, you know, in short term, let's say, you know, for three games while, uh, you know, Pronger and Niedermeyer are hurt, like he can step in and just look awesome. But if you ask him that all season, it's like, it's going to start to show a little bit that he's not an elite defenseman. He's very good. He's just not elite kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and so many defensemen get crapped on for that. And it's like, dude, like they're stopping everybody who's basically not a superstar, but play them against like the top line in the nhl yeah they're gonna get burned <laughs> you know yeah it's, it's kind of what, well, that's what those top lines do those top lines even make hall of fame defensemen look bad sometimes it's just what they do and all i was saying is you can sort of understand it from the king's perspective thinking that their engblom is going to be um good enough but of course in the end one of these guys is in the hall of fame and the other two are not yeah. um six years later he was traded with mike gartner for dino and Bob Roos, which, you know, um, would have uh, been a pretty big steal, I think, for Minnesota, except for the fact that a year later they traded Murphy to Pittsburgh for um, nobody. Uh, Chris Dahlquist and Jim Johnson. Um, and there was another player with Murphy, Peter Teglianetti. So that's not a great trade. Yeah, so that's not a great trade. And then, of course, he was traded to the Leafs a couple years later for Dmitry Mirnov and a second rounder that didn't turn into anything, which is, like, again, I mean, that's that's uh, Pittsburgh trying to get a younger player. Um, and, uh, and like you said, Bill, the Leafs trying to address the fact that they needed a better defense. Um, but then, of course, the Leafs shipped him out of town for nothing because of a minus eight in the playoffs once. Anyway, those are the I trades. Think, to, to, to me, like, I... Like, if, if it's still that era, I, was Howard Ballard still alive? Like, did they just not want to pay him? Because, like, he was making... No, no, no. I, 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 he wasn't the owner anymore, in my memory. Um, serves. Uh, but, but if they were paying him a lot, maybe, like, they were like, oh, our team's not going anywhere right now. We should just make salary. Maybe maybe that was also part of it. A lot of teams do that, too. They, like, make a guy a scapegoat and, like, oh, let's get him out of here. And it's because he also has a gigantic salary. And that was... That was before the cap era, so it's basically I don't want to spend money. So yeah, Ballard had been dead for a while by that point. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, like you know, money could have played too, too, but I think a lot, so much of it, 
was like just this idea that he was at fault for the first round exit, which is just like, well, it was proven very wrong, very, very quickly. Um, so of course, Murray ne- Murphy never won a Norris trophy, but he did finish top five in voting four times. I was surprised it was only four, um, but it was only four, but, um, by uh, point shares, hockey reference makes him look pretty good, though. He um, he was a top five player by point shares in 87, and uh, he was a top 10 player in 93. And then he was a top five defenseman both in 93 and 98, and he was a top 10 defenseman seven different times by point shares, so pretty good. Um, he's also one of only nine defensemen to score 20 goals five times, and he's one of only 17 defensemen to score 15 goals seven times. He's one of only 17 skaters uh, to have 40 assists 14 times, which is a hell of a lot, and one of only 5D ever. Of course, two of those 5D we are talking about today, and two other ones. And he's one of um, only uh, six defensemen ever to score 50 points. Of course, two two of them are Coffee and Bork. Um, he has uh, a couple second all uh, second team All-Star appearances. He was only in three All-Star games, which is quite low. I was expecting more but that's the area he played in there was you know Bork and coffee or <laughs> going and and probably some others and then of course once he was on like the red wings it would have been other teammates probably yeah um but it, you know the big thing with him is of course he won four stanley cups and he did it for two different teams and not only that he had a he had an important role as far as we can tell on um on them uh obviously ice time in fact, the last Stanley Cup he won in 98 was the last playoff to not track ice time, so we don't know his exact role, but as a proxy, um, he led the playoffs in plus-minus three times in 91 with Pittsburgh, and then in 97 and 98. So, yeah, um, it's totally his fault the Leafs sucked in 96. Uh, now, obviously, he was on much better teams on those teams, and we don't know, you know, I, I frankly, I, I was not watching... Uh, the penguins um and i my memory of those uh well i talked about last week i didn't really remember much of the washington red uh, and uh detroit series in 98 but um he was on really good teams but as far as we can tell he had an important role on those teams and um at least by points he was the best uh defenseman on uh, on three of those teams 90, 91 and 92 penguins and 97 red wings and uh, by points, he was also the second best defenseman on uh, the 98 Red Wings, which are being the number one. We, But like we said, we don't have ice time, so we don't know. Um, he was also a top, he was a top two defenseman by points on a Canada Cup champion in 87. Uh, but if in 91, he didn't have many points at all, so we have no idea what his role was. And then uh, he... Uh, he went to the World Championships in 85. They didn't win, but they won silver, and he led the uh, d- defense in points as well. So he did. He was on some pretty good teams, and as far as we can tell without ice time, he had a pretty big role on all of them. And I would say that if you look at his career and you go, oh, he doesn't have a Norris or whatever, you still have these like playoff performances um, yeah. where he looks pretty good. But the, the thing about Murphy, it seems like you know any time that a team could add him and have him be like the second best defenseman on their team, you know, playing with Lidstrom, obviously, and I'm not sure who the defenseman would have been in Pittsburgh at that point. Uh, he may have been the top defenseman on the Penguins. Um, yeah, I, 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 I knew this. Coffee. No, Coffee was gone after. Okay. 
I don't think Coffee won. Coffee was gone before they like he got traded before they won. I think. Um, oh no, he he was he was there for ninety one. Coffee was there for ninety one, but Murphy okay. outscored him, which is a yeah. surprise. So I mean, but then it's like, you know, if if, if he's sort of the the second best defenseman, or just not the only great defenseman on the team, yeah. then his value like goes through the roof, right? Like you can put him out there whenever Lindstrom needs a break or partner him with Lindstrom, like this, like all of a sudden you're incredible because the guy's, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, and you know you're saying he, you know, he didn't finish top five that often in Norris voting, so like maybe he's not the elite of the elite in terms of defensemen, but you know if you compare him to the defenseman that he played with in that era, like, it's not like he was finish, finishing in Norris voting behind, you know, average guys. Like, they were yeah. all, like, lights out first ballot Hall of Famers that were finishing ahead of him, so... Well, and he was playing at a time when there were, like, Coffee and McInnes and Leach were... and Bork yeah, and, were and, scoring and Bork, yeah. so much, right? Yeah. And he didn't score as much as they did, which is part of it. Um, and also, I mean, being on the Kings early on and then on the Capitals for a while, I mean, you yeah, know... Yeah, just don't get noticed. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, 91 Pittsburgh, uh, the defenseman by points scored, Murphy, Coffey, Ulf Samuelson, Gordy Roberts, Paul Stanton, Peter Taglianetti, Grant Jennings, Jim Pike? Payek? I don't know. And Randy Jim Hillier. Pick, yeah. yeah, Jim Pick. Okay, I, did, I didn't remember the name. Um, and then 92, um, it's Murphy again. Followed by uh, Jim Pake having a much bigger role, um, and then uh, um, the other Samuelson, um, and then uh, Gordy Roberts again, and Ulf and Grant Jennings again. So I don't know who his partner was on that. On that, because uh, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't uh, watching um, because I didn't watch anything with the police. Uh, and I, I, in '91, I, I didn't watch hockey. I watched it, but the only thing I remember from that series is uh, Lemieux scoring that incredible goal, and then uh, the North Stars getting... Uh, oh, no, that was the year against Chicago, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I remember watching both of those series. I watched left the Chicago one. It seemed like there was no way Pittsburgh would ever lose. Um, yeah. So I think Chicago was a much better team than that North Stars team, but I, you know... The North Stars had sort of that Cinderella thing, and my brother was a North Stars fan at that point, so we ended up walking watching tons of games and I just that Lemieux goal where he danced through the whole team and scored on John Casey and then I remember the eight nothing drubbing in the clinching game. <laughs> yeah. Where it just didn't seem fair that they had Mario Lemieux and Jaeger on the same team. <laughs> um so I mean I I don't I mean none of these guys are controversial, but if anyone's controversial on the list in terms of being inducted, it's Murphy because he is the least hardware and he is the uh least you know, the lowest offensive totals and stuff. But I, I think it's very clear he belongs. I mean, he's got crazy longevity stats. He's got four cups. He was an important player on all four of them. Um, yeah, he never really had like a like a down period of his career where it's like, oh, what happened to him? It's like consistently, you know, putting up 50, 60 points and winning cups and just being like a really reliable defenseman. So, I yeah. mean, his plus minus stats are pretty ridiculous. So. Yeah, he's plus 200, basically. Yeah. Um, 
and <laughs> he's funny because he's on Minnesota and, and Toronto is a minus player. He's minus 16 for the North Stars and uh, minus one for Toronto. And then he's like, and zero for the Kings. But yeah. he's, you know, plus for the Capitals back when they were not actually good. And uh, and plus for Pittsburgh and plus for Detroit, of course. So, um, And plus a lot for Pittsburgh, which is not a surprise. Yeah, um, one of those things, like if, if we, you know, if we weren't so young when the beginning part of his career was happening, you know, and we, you know, back in those days, you couldn't really watch teams that were not in your region unless they happened to pop onto Hockey Night in Canada one night for you. It was really hard to see those games, but, you know, we may have watched him play in that era and be like, you know, yeah, he's a, he's a zero with the Kings, but they would be god-awful without him, you know? Like, yeah. There's no way of knowing because we just weren't, you know, even if we had been old enough to watch all the time, we wouldn't have been able to get those games. So, like, unless you're an avid Kings fan from that era who happened to either live in L.A. or have some sort of eight, super-duper 80s satellite dish, you never would have seen how, how good he was and how bad that yeah. team would be without him. But I... If I had to guess, that's what I'm sort of thinking. Is when he's on an awful team, he keeps them from being putrid, and when he's on a really good team, he pushes them up to being, you know, absolutely elite or super difficult to play against. Yeah, and I mean, he was a kid on the Kings, right? Like he really yeah. was. And one of the things, you know, it, it's—I don't know if it was true about people, fans in the '80s, but you, we all know now how most defensemen not all but most defensemen it takes some time you know it took yeah. i know they're a very different player but it took pronger many years um for example uh to to become the dominant player he was and and um it's not it's not every every person who can just come into the league and and dominate at that position um you know not everyone is going to score 89 points in their second season as a defenseman like Paul Coffey did um, speaking of Paul Coffey, so he played the same length of time. Um, very, very, uh, there's just a lot of overlap between these guys, except for the fact that Coffey's numbers are batshit crazy. Um, they, they played from 80 to 2001, both of them. Um, Coffey is second all-time in goals among defensemen, of course. He is uh, second all-time in assists, too. He's sixth all-time in assists for all skaters. He is second all-time in def uh, defenseman points. The person ahead of him is Ray Bork in all of those cases. He's 13th all-time in points among skaters. He's the 17th defenseman all-time in plus-minus at plus 298, so almost plus 300. He's 13th in defenseman games played. Um, we do have ice time numbers for both of these guys at the tail end of their career. Uh, though for some reason I didn't write Murphy's down. I don't know why. Murphy's uh, ice time at the tail end of his career was what? Hold on. Um, my, my, oh, 22 minutes. He, even, at, even in his late 30s, Murphy was playing 22 minutes a game. Coffee was playing uh, slightly less than that, I think, if memory serves. He was yeah, so he was he was playing twenty one minute game, so a minute less. But both of these guys were talking about like hundred and fifty games of their very long careers, like a tenth of their career for the ice time. Uh, Coffee's tenth all time in points, point shares, fourth defenseman, and he is twenty third all time in offensive point shares despite being a defenseman, and he's the second defenseman all time, of course, behind Ray Bork, which is not a surprise. So. Uh, Aside from being behind Murphy in games played in the draft, Coffee is ahead of uh, Murphy in the uh, 
in the draft in all other ways, as you might guess. He's ahead. He's first in point shares. He's first in points by over 130 points, which is a hell of a lot. He's first in assists by 400 assists in his draft class, which is just nuts. Um, he's fifth in goals, despite being a defenseman. He's second in plus minus, and of course, he's behind Larry Murphy in games played, but that's because uh, at the end, Murphy was healthier. Um, so, same group of defensemen, including uh, like six Hall of Famers and, and Craig Ledwig. Uh, of them, Coffee is first in goals and goals per game, first in assists. Um, and assists per game, first in points, and points per game. Fourth and plus minus, despite his huge plus minus numbers, which tells you a lot of these guys played for really good teams. Um, and he's second in offensive point shares. Uh, but here's the, here's the thing. So we have seven defensemen who played in these uh, 15 seasons between 80 and 2001. Coffee is, he's a defenseman. They're all defensemen, but he's second last in defensive point shares. Ahead of only either Housley or Ludwig. I think probably Housley. Um, so that doesn't make him look very good. Uh, his his 82-game average for his career is 89 points plus 17. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Despite playing the end of his career in the uh, dead puck era. That's Those are good numbers for a forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is he was really, if you look at his points per game at the end of his career, like... When he's on Boston, it's point two two. When it's on uh, Carolina, it's it's uh, what is it for Carolina? Um, it's well, Carolina and Hartford together, it's point four four. Like he was uh, Chicago, it's point four. Philly, it's point six. Like he was so high up for um, for Edmonton and Pittsburgh that like he didn't really get dragged down that much by his like normal points per game numbers at the end of his career. Um, his his three-year peak is, are you ready, Bill? Yep. 83-86, an 80-game average of 129 points. Oh, my God. Plus 57. And this doesn't mean anything to anybody listening, but 15-point shares a season. 15-point shares a season is, like, all-time good. Like, that's their goalie numbers, basically. Like, goalies, the best goalie in the league will regularly have point shares like close to that up up to 15 and higher players don't normally do that very much you know or Gretzky have done it a bunch of times but like 15 point shares a season is extraordinarily high um playoff wise it's not surprising he's the first defenseman all time in goals that's a shocker he's second in assists behind a believe Lidstrom, but I'm not sure. He's first all-time in defenseman points, and he's fourth all-time among all skaters in assists, and sixth all-time in points among all skaters. He's only seventh among defensemen in plus-minus, playoff plus-minus, and he's twelfth among all skaters. Um, so he clearly he had some seasons there where he was not... Um, I mean, he's never had a really bad one, but he definitely had some... You know, he had a... When he was on the Kings... I didn't even remember him being on the Kings... Uh, in 92, he was a minus five, for example. Um, and then among uh, defensemen in the playoffs, in terms of per game, he's second all-time in goals per game. I don't remember who he was behind, but that was a surprise. Uh, third all-time in assists per game and third all-time in points per game. But my memories of the people ahead of him have played way fewer games because, of course, he's played 200 playoff games almost. Um, 
even when you adjust for era, his numbers are still pretty good. I didn't mention Larry Murphy's uh, era adjustment. I forgot. Um, it was uh, um, 56 points per 82 games. Uh, so another six down from, from what he scored. And Coffey's is 78 points, which is, I think, 11 down. So it really... Oh, no, nine down. So it hurts him substantially. Um, so uh, with Coffee, they're just... There are even more trades than with Larry Murphy. Uh, there's a million of them. There's like seven, I think. Something like that. Um, so first off, because the Oilers didn't like to pay salaries, he was traded with Dave Hunter and Wayne Van Dorp. Do you remember Wayne Van Dorp? I, I don't. do not. Yeah. To Pittsburgh for Craig Simpson, who was 20 at the time, so very young. Dave Hannon, Mo Mantha, and Chris Joseph. Um I, I don't know who you want to say won that trade because Craig Simpson before his before his injuries was a pretty good goal scorer. Um, and they both won cups, right? Like the Oilers won cups with Craig Simpson and Pittsburgh won a cup with Paul Coffey. Um, yeah, so well, I mean, it, I, maybe they just gave the team what sort of Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and also like the Oilers didn't want to pay people. Um, and then four years later, he was traded to the Kings uh, for Brian Betting, Jeff Chitron, and a first-round pick. So that that feels like uh, not a good haul. Uh, at least one of those. No, and they weren't prospects. They were like in their twenties. Like I don't know what the hell Pittsburgh was doing. Probably didn't want to pay him again, right? Probably. Because uh, yeah. like that's a weird trade. Uh, and then a year later, they uh, the Kings traded him to Detroit. Um, with uh, Sylvain Couturier uh, for, and Jim Hiller for uh, Jimmy Carson uh, and Mark Popvin and Gary Shuchuk? I don't remember him. Um, yeah, it's ringing a bell. But... So, again, like, I mean, Jimmy Carson at this point was uh, Jimmy Carson's return to the Kings. At this point, he was not a star anymore. So it's it's funny, like these trades are uh, the first one, you know, you got a hot prospect in, in Craig Simpson, but these next two trades, the teams trading coffee are not getting uh, a lot. Uh, and of course, we have the biggest trade in all of this, quite a big trade, a, a, you might say uh, a league altering one. Uh, and that is after a number of years in Detroit, including one year in which um, I I would argue he might have deserved the Hart Trophy. Um, he was traded with Keith Primo and a first-round pick for Brendan Shanahan and Brian Glenn. And of course, after that, the Red Wings won a bunch of cups with Shanahan. Um, and then, like a, a couple weeks later or something, I should look uh, after that big trade. So he was traded. Uh, trade with uh, Shanahan. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Like two months, two months later, after the the Primo Shanahan trade, he was traded to Philadelphia because he didn't want to be on Harper. Um, with a third round pick for Kevin Holler, uh, a first rounder that became Scott Hannon and a seventh rounder. So uh, Hartford paid a very dear price uh, to get coffee, and then two months later, for not a hell of a lot. And then we have two inconsequential trades at the very end of his career. Um, 
went one to Chicago for a fifth rounder, and uh, one uh, to Carolina five months later for uh, Nelson Emerson. So a whole bunch. Of Only one of them was really, really. Cute. Well, I guess the the Pittsburgh Emerson. The Nelson others are Emerson like, was pretty, Nelson Emerson was a pretty solid player. Quite yeah, he was 31 though when this happened. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but I think he was like maybe not, you know. Um, he was like a solid a, sort of second, third liner. Mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where was he? Yeah, he was pretty. He was getting near to the end of his career when that trade happened. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, like he didn't like his his best year was like years earlier than that. So, uh, top uh, Paul Coffey finished heart, uh, top five in heart voting twice, and um, we at least one of us in our heart episodes thought he should win the MVP in '95. Uh, Bill disagreed, and thought Lindros was. Um, he. Uh, Coffee has three Norrises, which is tied for the fifth most ever. He won them in 85, 86, and 95. And I think if you go on any forum that cares a lot about this on the internet, you will find most people think he deserves the 95 one, but not the first two. Um, his numbers in those years are offensively very, very good. But um, this is not a guy who was known for defense at the time. And yeah, uh, I think we've sort of both said, like, Yeah. A Norris trophy, and there should be like an offensive defenseman trophy. Yeah. Well, absolutely. So you can give a defensive defensive defenseman the Norris, and then you can give somebody either I don't know if you want to call it the or the uh, or the coffee, but. You know, yeah, name it after Paul Coffee. Why not? Yeah, like pretty good reason to do that. And there are some defensemen who are I wouldn't say a liability defensively, but they're like oh hum average, but then offensively they're completely elite. Uh, well, so the the second Norris, the second Norris. There's the reason he gave it to him is he came within one point of Bobby Orr's points record, and he beat Bobby Orr's goals record with 48. He almost scored 50 goals, and I didn't. You know, I was I was five. Actually, I what hadn't turned five. I was four. Um, but so I did, I didn't watch this, but. I have a hard time imagining a defenseman scoring 50 goals and playing much defense. But, but anyway, um, he he's uh, back. Uh, back uh, Hockey references point shares loves him. He was a top six player or top five player six times. Top ten player seven times. He was a top five defensive player only once in '95. Um, but he was a top five offensive player three times <laughs> and a top 10 offensive player five times. So, you know, sort of tells you the kind of player he was. Um, he has the, as I just mentioned, he has the goals record for uh, a defenseman with 48. He also, if you, any way you slice his goal scoring, he is one of the two or three best offensive defensemen in history with, or, or if you get down to like, like he is, he scored 20 goals eight times and only Bork and Potvin have done that. But basically, any other thing, he scored 40 goals twice, which is the only defenseman to do that. 25 goals seven times, only defenseman. Otherwise, it's him and Orr, basically, for all those categories. Um, Assist-wise, uh, he he's also he's among um, he's among very good offensive company 
um, not just with defensemen. So he had uh, he was top five in assists nine times, and he's only one of eight skaters ever to do that, and I think the only defenseman. And he's um, he was top ten in assists twelve times, and he's one of only five skaters ever. Uh, this is something that I think Bork might have done, but otherwise, uh, no, no, Bork didn't do it. Uh, he's like the only defenseman. And then like again, any way you slice the assists, it's only him and Orr among defensemen. And at one point, you get to him being the only player, along with Gretzky, 60 assists 11 times, uh, 50 assists 14 times. Uh, he's the only defenseman and one of only five players. Like, it doesn't matter whether where you put the cutoff in terms of assists. He's on the leaderboard list in terms of frequency. Um, and the same thing is true with points. Of course, he uh, he, he missed Orr's points record by one point in, in his second Norris winning season. But if you like if you talk about 100 points you know it's it's whether it's 130 120 110 or 100 points the only two players who have done those things are coffee and or um you get to 90.7 times he's the only defenseman ever and you go below that to 80 or 70 or 60 or 50 points and it's him and bork except for 50 points 15 times bork lindstrom and him so basically he is by most standards the best best offensive defenseman ever because he both has the peaks with Orr and he also has the longevity um, with Bork and uh, and it, at the very end there, Lidstrom. Um, he made one, no, no, sorry, he made four first team All-Stars, uh, four second teams as well, which is just I don't, I there was no way of me to, uh, to look up the frequency of those All-Stars really beyond, well, we'll talk about when we get to Bork, but like, that's a lot. Um, and he made 14 All-Star games. And uh, so lastly, we have uh, his uh, playoffs. He was obviously, he, he won some cups, um, as we all know. Uh, he won four just like Larry Murphy, but he won only one of them with Larry Murphy and three with the Oilers. Um, at least, uh, and of course, he only played one season in, uh, in the playoffs in plus minus era when he actually played 23 minutes a game for Carolina, which is nuts. But so we don't know how many minutes game he was playing but of course he scored so much it's safe to assume he was on the ice a lot um so he was the best defenseman by points as far as we can tell on the uh on the 84 oilers because he led the playoffs in plus minus and points um for defensemen and then he was the best defenseman by points on the 85 and 87 oilers uh who won as well as uh uh teams that were in the finals 83 oilers and 95 red wings and he had less of a role in the 91 Penguins, as we mentioned about Larry Murphy. Um, but he also had some success in the World uh, Cup, as everybody knows. Uh, he led uh, defensemen in points on the 84 Canada Cup team. Um, and weirdly, he also did in 91, but his teammate, um, I think it might have been McInnes, made the all, uh, end of tournament all-star team, not Paul Coffey, which is interesting. And then he also won a uh, another World Cup in 87, um, but he, he didn't, I think, was that the one that Bork led in points? It might be. Anyway, so he didn't always uh, lead them in points, but he did sometimes. The big thing with coffee is, and, and this is something that I think, Bill, you and I have trouble saying, because we honestly, we saw him later in his career, and I certainly saw him really late in his career, but the big thing, the big criticism with coffee is that Many people think he should have been a forward, and um, and uh, and like the 
some people have said I've read this on the internet I don't I don't know that I agree with it but had he been drafted by a team other than the Oilers he might be like he might have a Phil Housley-esque minus yeah, maybe. for his career instead of this massive plus because he was um, now on the other hand he was traded to Pittsburgh when they were not quite good yet yeah no, he was minus awful for the first few years of Pittsburgh until they started scoring uh, minus 53 for the first three seasons he was in Pittsburgh anyway um, so the question was called bad when they already had Mario right yeah 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 I mean but they they didn't have anybody else, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, big question with Coffee isn't whether or not he belongs in the Hall of Fame because you couldn't you couldn't take this guy out of the Hall of Fame. He has his offensive stats are insane. It's like where does he belong on the list because he at least early in his career was all offense. And I don't know. Um, did you have strong feelings about it? Um, I I don't really. Um... I just think, it, you know, he was more of a sort of unique in that he did things that most defensemen can't do. Yeah. Um, you know, and if he was, if he had been such a big defensive liability, I don't think, you know, they would have converted him to forward, you would think. Yeah. Uh, so he obviously wasn't, like, a terrible defenseman. But, you know, sometimes a player, you know, is, like, just an okay player at one thing. Or in other parts of the game, but the one thing they do well is like so elite that you have to have them out there, right? And I, the comparison I sort of think of, although I, I I suspect if I did a deeper dive in terms of points and point shares and stuff like that, I would probably be proven wrong. But it's the way I used to think about Brett Hall. I'm like, yeah, he scored goals, but he only did one thing. He just wired them up. He's just he was so damn good at it. You didn't matter if he was a defensive liability. You had to have him out there. Um, but I think, you know, when he played for the Stars and, you know, played under Ken Hitchcock, you would have to assume if he was out there all the time, he probably was not horrible defensively, which is perhaps a narrative I made up in my whole life. Um, well, I mean, I watched Hall at the end of his career. I didn't watch Hall at the beginning. I watched Hall at the end. And I definitely don't remember him being, like, awful defensively. I was also, wa- I was also watching him at a time when... Um, you know, I knew less about hockey than I did later because I was just first starting to watch. But, like, I do also remember many of his classic shots where he was, like, cherry, essentially cherry-picking. Yeah. Um, well, you had that one spot on the ice where if you got yeah. the puck, it's going in. Like, you just had such a hard shot. But, it's, yeah. you know, he scored, what, 700 goals in the NHL? Like, yep. You know, even, even if you say, oh, he wasn't a complete player, yeah, but that one thing he did was best in the world nobody else can do it like that so like yeah you yeah. want that guy out there like you can say yeah. whatever you want about his defensive play if he scores 700 goals i don't care <laughs> maybe that's the sort of the same thing with coffee right like if yeah. the defense is going to score me 129 points i don't care if he back checks sometimes you know like he's gonna yeah. make up for it yeah yeah well and and that that lineup of like gretzky coffee and whoever else and curry and whoever else was on the ice right we talked in both the messier and um anderson episodes we talked about how they weren't always playing with those guys but like those three guys plus whoever like you said bill they're getting it back um if they get if they give up a goal uh it it be the orders right like they won a lot of like seven to six games 
era in yeah. which they played. It's like don't try to don't try to lock down and make sure they don't score in the third period. Just go score two more goals. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like to play the track meet game with you and see if they can keep up. But like coffee, coffee was finishing top five in Norris voting when he was scoring a hundred points for Pittsburgh and finishing minus twenty five. So like that, I have a lot more trouble with um, than like. Because <laughs> yeah, you, you have to consider who he was playing with, right? Like. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to assume he was on the ice with Mario, but the, the thing is too that you have to remember you can get a hundred points, but if fifty of them are on the power play, none of those are pluses. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Lastly, uh, we have Ray Bork, um, Bill's favorite defenseman of all time, uh, who who played. The, the thing is, I know he's really good. I just I, I don't I don't know if I like most people rate him. I would say a top five defenseman of all time, and I don't know if I'm there. Um, um, well, maybe this will change your mind, but I, I mean, I know I don't know if you've ever pointed out to me, but there is that famous clip, right, of him getting just burned. Yeah. Um, yeah, arguably the greatest yeah. player of all time. And and uh, and I and I do suspect that for people who were not watching Bork every night, that does yeah, get stuck out in your head. But yeah. the thing is, when you get beat like that by Lemieux, it's the greatest guy in the world making you look silly. Um, Lemieux did that to a lot of people, just that people almost couldn't believe that Ray Bork was yeah. going to look that silly. Yeah. Um, and like it's sort of you know it, it sort of like was like well if he was such a great defenseman and so good defensively how could mario made him look silly and then you know the, the other one that i would always point to is you know if you look at the old uh, brad magel you know the mayday magel really famous eliminated the maroons in war uh, by the sabers which is a great clip if you want to go back and watch it because the rick jenner they may call is pat lafontaine gets tripped and makes like one of the all-time passes to send him in and then Brad May makes, you know, Ray Bork look silly by dancing around him and scoring this beautiful goal. And it's like, Brad May did that? Like, that? what a move. But then, you know, and, and over the years, I've been like, yeah, Bork got burned on that one, too. Everybody says yeah. he was so great. And then I'm thinking in my head, like, how long was he on the ice before that happened? He was probably gassed, just tried to make a play, missed, and the other guy was, you know, Brad May well, was off the bench flying in. And it, like, I mean, not... Not to compare them, but it's like we were talking about with Jake Gardner a few minutes ago, you know? Like, it's like the things that stick out are these, like, infamous highlights, but he played uh, 1,600 games. And um, and just, I we're going to go over the, the avalanche of accolades in a few minutes, but it's, for anyone who's never looked at Hockey Reference, they have the stats in a white, like, black text on white... Um, background table and the awards are over on the right hand column and we talked about peter bondra and cam neely last week um and we're and we just talked about larry murphy and when you look at a normal player's career there's there's blue ink basically in the awards column because that links to the the data about the award voting and and bondra had a tiny bit of it cam neely had a tiny bit well a little bit more of it Larry Murphy has every couple of years, there's some blue ink. Paul Coffey has a lot of it. Ray Bork has it in every season of his career. Wow. And now that just says that people thought he was really good, but um, every season he's got 
blue ink, and it's more than it's not one thing; it's three things in almost every season. Actually, every season. Sometimes it's four, sometimes it's five. Anyway, just worth noting. So he played a year longer uh, than uh, Murphy and Coffee because he was drafted a year earlier. He is, as I talked about with Paul Coffee already, he's first all time in in goals, assists, and points among defensemen. And in terms of assists, that puts him fourth all-time among skaters and 11th all-time among skaters and points. Um, he's third all-time in plus-minus. He is a plus 527, which is a lot. Um, and he is second all-time in hockey references point shares behind Gretzky only. Uh, he's also first all-time in defensive point shares, and he's first all-time in offensive point shares among Defenseman even ahead of Paul Coffey. In offensive pointers, if I didn't say that clearly. Per game, he's fifth all-time in goals per game among defensemen, third all-time in assists, and fourth all-time in points. All of which he's behind Coffey in that regard. Uh, let's bring up his draft. He, Like I said, he was drafted a year earlier than Larry Murphy and, uh, um, and Paul Coffey. Um, and in that draft, I mean, he's... Uh, You'll be surprised to learn he is uh, the best player in the draft. It is it is the Rob Ramage draft. So, um, the first thing I want to point out is that by point shares, he is not only first in his draft, he is first by 82.3 point shares. And that may mean nothing to anybody, but there are, and I'm not... They don't necessarily deserve to be, but there are players in the Hall of Fame who have fewer point shares in their career than 82. Now, they shouldn't be in there, but just saying. He's also 70 plus 79 ahead of the next guy in plus minus in, in the draft, and that's Brad McCrimmon, who is in the top 25 in plus minus all time. So, uh, like, he's just, the numbers are ridiculous. He's seventh in goals. He's second assists. He's second in points because this is, of course, the Mark Messier draft as well. And so Messier is ahead of him in both of those categories. Messier also played 144 games long, more than Borkton. Um, so we had to expand. So with, with Murphy and Coffee, we limited the air comparison to defensemen. Uh, but with Bork, his numbers are so good, we... We opened it up to forwards because even though Paul Coffey's totals, individual accomplishments are higher, um, work played slightly longer and is it would basically he if we just done defenseman he would have been number one in every category and it's not any fun. So, of the nine skaters to play in at least 1,394 games or 17 modern seasons between 79 and 2001, Bork is the first defenseman in goals, of course. Um, He's fifth in goals among all all these players. He's sixth in goals per game, uh, but he's second defenseman behind Paul Coffey. He's second in assists, but he's the first defenseman. He's fourth in assists per game, second defenseman behind Paul Coffey. Um, fourth in points, first defenseman. Basically, he's the first defenseman in totals and second in, in per game behind Paul Coffey in all of those categories, and he's top five among those nine among all skaters. He's also first in plus-minus. He's uh, third in offensive point shares despite being a defenseman, and he's first in defensive point shares by 17.7, which is a very, like, it's a season that only Bobby Orr has ever had in terms of point shares as a defenseman. Um, and he's second in point shares behind only Gretzky in that, which is not a surprise. 
His 82 game average is 80 points, so slightly not quite as good as Paul Coffey's, but plus 27. Um, much like Larry Murphy, Bork's best seasons are spread out over a very long time. In this case, 13 seasons, not just 11. So he essentially had three separate three-year peaks. So calculating a three-year peak to him, and just like Larry Murphy, it's kind of unfair, but we did it from 82 to 85, and he had an 80-game average of 94 points in plus 38, which is not Paul Coffey offensive numbers, but it's still offensively incredible for him. Yeah. Yeah, if it's not for Paul Coffey, we're talking about yeah. putting up numbers, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, and then playoff-wise, he's fourth defenseman all-time in goals, uh, which is kind of surprising because I was expecting him to be higher. But um, anyway, uh, he's uh, third all-time in assists, period, first defenseman, and he is the third defenseman in points behind Lidstrom and Coffey, I think, um, and 14th all-time skater-wise, uh, so he's a little bit lower uh, than regular season, and I don't know if that's just uh, what that has to do with, because, of course, um, oh, it's because he just played fewer games. He has, he's six all-time in, in games played among defensemen and 13th all-time among um, skaters. So I think it's just maybe the Bruins weren't as consistently going as far into the playoffs as Paul Coffey's teams or Lidstrom's teams. Um, his adjusted 82-game average is 73 points, so it's hurt as well. It drops by 7, but it doesn't drop quite as much as uh, Coffee's. I think it's more comparable to how much Murphy's dropped. Um, just look at Murphy's. Murphy's dropped by 8. No, it's better than both of them. It drops by one less point than Murphy's and two less points than Coffee's. Um, there's only one trade to talk about. Unlike Murphy and Coffee, Bork played, obviously, famously, he played his whole career with the Bruins, and then um, he's traded at 39 with Dave Andrzejczyk, who was 36. For Brian Rolston, who was 27. Martin Martin Grenier and uh, Sammy Paulson, who was really young, and I didn't remember Sammy Paulson was part of that trade. I had no memory of that. Um, and of course, that year they didn't win the cup, but the next year they did. So, uh, last week, or last episode, uh, Bill mentioned... Um, that we were talking about Cam Neely's lack of Hart Trophy nominations, and Bill was like, well, Bork was probably sort of stealing them, and that is true. He was top five in Hart voting four times, but if you go top 10, he was top 10, like, all the time. Like, he was top 10 or top 15 basically every year of his career from, like, his second season uh, to, uh, to his uh, 12th season. Um, and there are a couple others. Uh, so only top five four times, but like top 10 or top 15, almost every, like two thirds of his career, maybe three. He has, he has uh, five Norris trophies, which is the fourth most ever behind uh, Lidstrom or and Harvey. Um, he, but here's, here's the crazy thing. He was top five in Norris voting another 14 times on top of that. 14. So that's a total of, uh, what, 19 times? Just far and away the most ever um, uh, by any defenseman. And he uh, was top three uh, further 10 times uh, in addition to the, uh, the five wins. So 15 times he was top three, um, which is just it's a lot. 
Uh, he won the Calder in 80 with 65 points in 80 games. He won uh, the King Clancy in 92. He is our MVP for 1990 um, when we redid the heart in our series. Uh, Hockey Reference paints him as the best player in 1990, um, which is one of the reasons we picked him. He also uh, was a top five player in the NHL 10 times, one of only four players. This is going to, there's going to be a lot of this, sorry. Uh, one of only four players to do it, Gretzky, uh, Turkota, and Golden Hall are the only others. He was a top 10 player 12 times by point shares. Only four players have ever done this, How Gretzky, Glenn Hall, and him. Um, he was the best defensive player by points there twice in 84 and in 90. And he has top five, uh, 10 top five finishes in DPS, which is the most ever by anybody. And he has 13 top 10 uh, finishes, which is... It's, it's him, Lidstrom, Harvey, and him, or the only players to ever do that. Um, his offensive accomplishments are less impressive than Coffee's, obviously, but if you if you lower them to uh, the, like, less totals but greater frequency over career, it becomes very special. Uh, he had 15 goals 18 times, which is the only defenseman ever, and five more than anybody else. Um, if you go to assists, yet 76 three times and it's just coffee or and leech and it's basically some combination of a couple guys all the way down get 40 assists 17 times and it's it's him francis gretzky and out or the only that do that um get 80 points 10 times he's the only defenseman to do that ever and maybe 70 points ever 50 points 20 times and it's francis how yager and messier are the only other players to do that Top 10 plus minus nine times. Him and Gretzky, only player seven. You're getting tired? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm actually I'm, I'm more, more impressed the more you go on. I'm, I, I, you might change my opinion today. <laughs> well, that was sort of the, the avalanche of stats. I, I know people don't like it necessarily, or, or but it's like, it's sort of like I didn't watch Bork at his peak. But like, yeah, well, that's what I'm starting to think. I'm like, yeah, I, like, I only really started watching hockey. Um, probably in like 88, maybe 87, I started, like, I would always watch the cup final, but like started to sort of realize who the players were and stuff, right about, you know, when, when Bork and Neely were playing against the, uh, the Oilers every second year for the cup, uh, you know, 88 and and 90, and it's like, that's, you know, I just remember Bork and Neely being, you know, sort of the whole team, uh, in terms of like trying to keep up with the Oilers because the Oilers were insane but maybe you know maybe I having missed most of the 80s the early part of his career maybe that I, I don't have the the greatest sort of um, uh, viewpoint on his entire career you know and so maybe that's maybe that's somewhat what influences it um, and you know maybe I have stronger memories of some other defensemen during my lifetime, and obviously guys like Bobby Orr and Juan Bay, I would probably put on the list ahead of him. Um, but now hearing all these stats, I'm like, yeah, he's you know he's not that far behind Coffee, but he's definitely a more complete defenseman. Maybe I need to start, you know, I mean to to keep him out of the top five. I'm starting to think now it's going to make me look kind of silly. <laughs> uh, can can I throw something else at you? The other thing is, I, I, I can only speak for me because I, I haven't played. But as a fan, 
I definitely took a long time to like see defense, you know, the first, the first few years, first of all, the first few years I watched hockey, I was a a kid and really didn't understand. And all I saw was goals, you know? Um, but like later, even when I was watching as a, a teen and in early adult, it took, I mean, honestly, I, I, I credit, and I've probably said this before, but I credit us, you know, you and our friends watching games every Saturday night and sometimes more frequently at university with me figuring out how to watch hockey because you guys, um, you know, a bunch, a bunch of you played and you guys would say things and point out stuff yeah. and make comments. And I was like, oh, and, and, and things I would never see as a, you know, it's only because I started watching with a group of people who actually played the game that I, I even like started learning about like what defense looked like. And yeah, when you start to notice like subtle little things or like a big defensive play, you know, like, a, you know, a guy, one, one that I frequently think of is he was a bit of a whipping boy in Montreal was uh, Jordy Ben. And he's yeah. now on Vancouver and plays like crap for us. I'm like, why don't you play the way you did for the Habs? I thought he was playing great for the Habs. And so many people would be like, oh, I don't know if he should be on the, you know, in the top six. There was one night he had a particularly great game. Didn't show up on the score sheet, but he must have stopped two or three breakaways by getting his stick or his like leg in the way. Like, yeah. There was one in particular where the, the guy lobbed the puck. I'm like, oh my God, that's going to get by. That's a breakaway. And he like dropped down to one knee and somehow blocked it. And I'm like, that is such a great defensive play. And unless you're, you know, you're really paying attention to a defensive defenseman, the, the sort of the compliment to um, Don Cherry used to say this all the time. He's like, if you didn't notice a defenseman was out there, he had a great night. Yeah. It yeah. means nothing bad happened when he was on the ice. So the only reason I bring this up is I don't know about you, but when you first started watching hockey, you were quite young. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. And maybe when you were when you were first seeing Bork, he might have I mean, he was by the stats at his peak. But like uh you were seeing you you know, you may have only been watching the offense. I don't I don't know. I mean I wasn't there. But uh yeah, well, it's, just, it's just one of those things where I, I always felt um, you know, that everybody else had a higher opinion of him than I did. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, during this era, I did paint the Bruins, so it had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm hearing the stats, I'm like, it's pretty hard to not say he's in the top five of all time, you know. Obviously, I'm going to probably put Orr and Potvin, uh in there just because, you know, they were so far ahead of their peers in terms of, like, what they were doing in their era and, you know, had success with cups and stuff like that. I think maybe part of it too is I was sort of maybe a little upset that he would, that he left to go to Colorado to win his cup. That probably irked me some. Uh, <laughs> but but when, when you know at the at the time that he did it, you know I was fiercely about you know team loyalty and you should try to play with one team your whole career. And I like that's completely changed for me now. I don't really care yeah. much anymore. Um, so I, I I have two more things to tell you about his his career totals and then we can move on from it um one is that he has the most all uh, first team all-stars of any defenseman in history with 13 which is you think about it he played 22 seasons so that's two-thirds of his career and he had a further six uh second team which is the most total uh end of season all-star teams for any defenseman ever obviously in 19 but like 
he's he's only behind Gordie Howe of all uh, players in terms of end of team All Star uh, selections, which is uh, nuts. And and we have talked many times about how uh, you know narrative plays a big part of this, and the writers sometimes make weird decisions. And you know, like Lidstrom is a great case of this, where like there there was this unreal. Um, at the end of uh, Lidstrom's career to, like, not hit him. Um, but, like, I don't know how much of this is, like, acclimation. Like, we know Bork's great, might as well give it to him. But still, the fact is he's got all these offensive accomplishments, and then he also has this, like, essentially constant acknowledgement that he was one of the best defensemen in the league for, you know, there's only a couple, I don't know, I'm going to count the seasons, one, two, three seasons in which he didn't make a first or second team all-star in his entire career. Which is basically unheard of, aside from the rehab. Yeah. Because even Gretzky, I think, missed a couple. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that's because Gretzky, you know, when, once his back injury started, yeah, yeah. Really yeah, absolutely. So lastly, we have uh, Bork's teams. Um, he, of course, um, won a championship at the very end, as Bill just mentioned, and he was the, uh, he was the top... He was the second best defenseman on that uh, team based on ice time behind Rob Blake. Um, but the rest, m- much of the rest of his career, we only know about points. So he was the uh, best de- defenseman um, by points on a, well, actually, sorry, he's the best player by points on a conference finals team, the Bruins uh, in 91. And then he was best defenseman on points uh, by points on uh, one, on on that 88 uh, Bruins team that went to the Stanley Cup. And then um, in 90, he missed four games. I didn't realize that when they went to the finals. I don't know when he missed those four games. Um, but otherwise, was still the best defenseman by points on that team. And we got to assume was the best defenseman. Um, and then he was in a bunch of conference finals in 2000 when the Avalanche, where we know he was playing the most minutes. And then a bunch of times we don't know um, whether it's uh, 83 Bruins, 92 Bruins. Um, and then, of course, he was on the uh, World Cup, the Canada Cup teams as well. He led the all defensemen, including Paul Coffey, in points in 87 when they won. Um, he also uh, led all defensemen in points uh, in, uh, when they lost to the USSR in 81. And But he was only top four by points in uh, 84 when they won. And then, I didn't know this, but he declined to play in 91 when they won. Oh, really? He, he was invited. I don't know if he was rehabbing an injury or something. Um, he only missed... He, don't, don't forget, he played, uh, he played like a few uh, sort of deep playoff runs in the years leading up yeah. to that. So he might have just been gassed. Even if yeah, he yeah. Injured, he might have just been like, you know, nicks and bumps and bruises. and was like, yeah. if I play, like, I'm just going to be useless next year or something. And I don't, know what, I don't know what time of the year that tournament happened, but you're right, Bill. He had played 23 then 10, then 17, then 19 games in the playoffs um, in a row. And then he also was playing, you know, he was missing a couple games. Uh, you know, he missed four games a couple years. There's one year he missed he missed 20, but that was earlier. Um, otherwise, he was playing most of the season. So uh, I think uh, it's safe to say your theory that he was gassed might be pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, or just but, had like a, not like a serious injury, like something yeah. that he could play through, but he's like, if I hurt it again, I'm gonna, you know, miss the whole season kind of thing, you know. 
Yeah, and and played every other time they called him. I'd say it's probably something like that. Well, and I, I only mention it because, of course, they won in 91, and the addition of Ray Bork wouldn't have prevented them from winning. So he he currently has uh, two World Cups, or Canada Cups, rather. He would have had a third, presumably, had he decided to go. Um, so just that's just something else to think about. So, I mean, the big question, as, as uh, Bill has, uh, has sort of hinted around, is where does he rank all time? Um among the the top, you know, or Harvey, if you want to throw Lidstrom in there, Pop Van, um, Eddie Shore, um, uh, Pillow, if we want to go that far back, um, Greg Kelly. I don't know how much those guys still get attention, um, and uh, I don't know if anyone. I mean, I I think there's a huge old timer uh, bias. As particularly with the defenseman conversation, so I have no idea if anyone's willing to say any anybody current like Keith or anybody like that, um, or or Chara. But oh yeah, and Pronger. I'm I'm skipping Pronger. Sorry. Um, I don't know uh, how you feel about. Uh, yeah, there's Pronger, Niedermeyer, Lindstrom. Like we've got some other great ones uh, yeah. to consider in there. Yeah. I mean. Well, this I, I may have to rethink my top five. You might you might get in now that I. Maybe we should have an episode where we sort of debate who the top ten defensemen ever are, kind of thing. But yeah, we could. I think now hearing all of those accolades from Bork, I'm like, I think I'm probably gonna have to, you know, if I don't put him in the top five, it's gonna be just barely now, and maybe, maybe. He so who would be the? Who are the five ahead of him then? What's that? Who are the five ahead of him then? Uh, my my old list would have been uh, or Hot Bang. Uh, Lidstrom, Pronger, Niedermeyer. Oh, but God. Old-timers are, like, losing their minds. No mention of Doug Harvey, eh? Right. The only reason, in my opinion, the best player who ever played, um, you know, maybe maybe like a guy like Brad Park, who was, you know, for so many years, the second-best defenseman in the NHL behind the greatest player of all time, Bobby Orr. Like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things to consider there. Um I also I also have a really really high opinion of Brian Leach because he absolutely killed my teeth all the time. Uh, yeah. Whether it's the Canucks or Team Canada. Um, oh, I forgot Al McKinnis. Yeah, I, I have a pretty high opinion of him as well. But I I, I think now hearing this, I'm probably going to put work ahead of McKinnis. Um, I, I, I would. You know, I'm maybe, maybe even ahead of Pronger and Niedermeyer now. So maybe maybe he's getting into my top five now, and I'm reconsidering sort of the way that I had it ranked. Um, so you you may have done a very good job me of something that I probably had a, a biased opinion about, and it's, I, I don't know why. Like, like I said, I didn't hate the Bruins in that era, and I know how damn good he was. It just seemed to rank other people above. Maybe it's because I saw Pronger's whole career, and I saw Niedermeyer's whole yeah. career, that I, you know, and I saw three, at least a good three-quarters of Lindstrom's. Like, I don't remember him really young, but um, definitely saw him at his peak. Um, yeah. So, Know, maybe maybe there's a little bit of that mixed in there. Uh, I think I'm definitely willing to reconsider, and I'll probably have to sit down at some point when I have some time and sort of rethink that list. Um, so yeah, I, I think the avalanche of uh, accolades and stats have uh, done a good job of making me uh, reconsider where I rank them all time for sure. Yeah, I mean I, I mean you and I agree about Orr. I. 
I have I never saw Doug Harvey obviously um, or his contemporaries or I never saw yeah and I I, uh, I never saw uh, Eddie Shore obviously and I don't know how much footage there is of Eddie Shore um, but like if we were doing expansion on which I feel like I have a little bit better grasp of even though I didn't watch or I didn't watch Pop Van I didn't watch Park um I think he he has to be I would say uh based on the accolades you're talking top 3. And I think because if, as much as you aside from the Norrises, you know, which Lidstrom has more of, um it's just it's just endless accolades. Like it's it's an amount of accolades that is like exceeded at least in terms of all-star teams only by Gordy Howe, which is like insane company and um, you know, there's and a possibility. Like played in an era where there weren't, you know, where there, yeah. you know, playing in an era where there's Paul Coffey, there's, you know, McInnes, there's, you know, there's some yeah. other guys who would be considered all-time greats, and he's consistently ranked above them by everyone in the sports media. You know, it's, I, I, I feel like sometimes stuff like that is basically you get a reputation as being the best, and then. Yeah, the well, that's that's the one concern I have. Yeah. But I mean, still, like you can't deny that he's one of the best you know at least one of the best of his era if not the best of his era uh you know yeah uh, and of the three we talked about today he's clearly the best um at least yeah I, I think the coffee sort of a special case because he is so, like heavily skewed to the offensive stats but you know Bork's not that far behind him and generally regarded as a you know a, a fantastic defensive defenseman as well so i I don't think there's any question that he's the best one that we talked about today, and most likely the best one of his era, um, if you don't count guys like, uh, you know, McKinnis sort of arrived just slightly later. Uh, yeah, a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, Lindstrom arrived later, so maybe, like, if you just sort of consider around where he was drafted, I think he's clearly the best. Yeah, I think, like, you know, Coffey was clearly a, a more dynamic offensive player at his peak, but was obviously not as well-rounded, and Murphy was not as dynamic an offensive player as Bork. Um, and, and yeah, I, I mean, I I mean, to me, it's just like the... the When I was assembling this, I was just like, holy shit. Like, I, I knew... I, I didn't have the opinion you had, but I knew there was a bunch of accolades, but it was like... It was just like, this is never going to end. Yeah, this is ridiculous. It's, it's overwhelming. Uh, yeah. How, uh, how consistently great he was, and, and yeah. how highly regarded he was too. So. Um, you know, his I, I his worst ever offensive season is point six points per game. Yeah. His worst ever, and he's a defenseman, and he played end of his career in the dead puck era. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah, and despite having a reputation anyway for being incredibly responsible. He has like two thirds of his career where he was a point a game or more. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, anyway, I, I think he's, he's, I agree with you, Bill. He's of the three, he's clearly the best of these three guys. And uh, I think he's one of the best defensemen in NHL history. And yeah, maybe one day we'll have a ranking episode and we yeah. can get into more uh, detail. So, um, I think we're pretty clear on Bork number one, Coffee number two or number three of these three guys. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going uh, 
think I'm going fourth one, coffee two, uh, Murphy three. I'm good with that. Um, so next time we're going to do the 2003 class, and there's only two players. It's Grant Fear and Pat Lafontaine. So we may, we'll see. We may or may not add add an eligible player to sort of make it closer to our normal. We'll see. We'll have to have a talk about it, but uh, hopefully you'll tune in to then. It's going to be a weird conversation talking about a center and a goalie, but that's that's who they inducted in 2003. So uh, yeah. thanks for listening to this one, and uh, we will see you next time.